I just did an audio test. Turns out I'm a hundred percent recording. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to Affable Chat, uh, the show where two best friends exchange their thoughts on a movie or a video game or some other work. And sometimes we play audio clips and clips from the movie. My name is Benjamin. I'm here with my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're discussing a film that was requested to us using our uh, phone line, our Affable Chat hotline. Right, Joey? That's right. Um, so, <laughs> the hotline. So we're going to go ahead and play that message for you uh, so you know exactly why we're doing this particular episode. Hi, um, my name is Jenny, and I'm calling in to make a request for a movie that I want you guys to review. I want you to review a movie called um, The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, it's a true story or based on a true story about Will Smith. Um, he's the main character. And... It's about how he's struggling as a homeless salesman, and I think it's really touching, and it's really beautiful, and I I want to hear if you cried while you were watching it, and I want to know everything that you guys think about it. So, thanks so much. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Jenny. Yes, thank you, Jenny. Oh. <laughs> yes, it, it's, it is a touching and emotional movie. Of course, so uh, if it wasn't clear, this episode is about the movie The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, an emotional and famous movie. I, I remember this movie getting a lot of clout uh, when it, back when it first came out. Yes, for sure. So um, thank you so much for that phone call. Once again, Jenny, uh, our phone number, if you're interested in making a call yourself, is 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. Call us anytime. Call us anytime. Leave us a message. Uh, but without... Uh, further ado, let's talk about the pursuit of happiness. I still remember that moment. They all looked so damn happy to me. Why couldn't I look like that? This is an autobiographical drama. Directed by Gabrielle Muccino. I believe I got that the right. Cast, you got that perfect. <laughs> the cast includes uh, the, French, the Fresh Prince, Will Smith's son, Maeve, TV's Brian Howe, and Woody the Coroner. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on YouTube. Okay, why don't you go ahead and give us the synopsis for The Pursuit of Happiness. Okay. Will Smith runs. Watch him run. He runs with his son. Money? He has none. He can't, he, he can't have fun. But he still runs. His wife, he shuns. Rubik's Cube is done. And when he's won, he stands there stunned. Okay, I'm done. That is beautiful. <laughs> A uh, original you. poem s properly summarizing. I'll accept snaps uh, via voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> um, this would actually be an amazing, like thing to bring to like a, a poetry night <laughs> unprompted don't talk about the just call it's it about. pursuit of happiness yeah don't even bring that up just <laughs> start with will smith runs like oh <laughs> Ooh, so much intrigue uh okay so let's get right into it we'll start with our pros uh joey go ahead tell us what you liked about the pursuit of happiness uh this is such a spectacular story of hope and determination um, the acting from all sides, even Jaden Smith, is just phenomenal. Will Smith has never been better in any movie. Um, there's just so much heart, and there's and it's built up to for be this incredible story of overcoming immense obstacles. Uh, and because of that, I just feel like there's a lot of things in there that are very relatable. What about you? I agree with all of that. Uh, there's great acting here, especially from our two lead men, I guess, or lead man and lead boy. Uh, the tr the fact that this is a based on a true story kind of movie makes the struggle and the triumph that much more compelling, uh, which is very powerful. This movie tugs at your heartstrings in uh, like in a way that I really like, but I also kind of like it's it tugs so hard that it can be kind of depressing, <laughs> uh, which I'll get to in a second. Yes. But it's also motivational. Uh, it's the kind of movie that makes you think like, you know what? 
I don't have it so bad. I can overcome this. You know, I, I need to stop feeling sorry for myself and do something about this. Uh, I also think that the interesting cinematography allows the city of San Francisco to play a big part, um, which I think, even though this movie is based on 1981, is still kind of a commentary on what San Francisco or even just any big city kind of is today, uh, at least from the perspective of the poor people that live there. And also, Jaden Smith is such a little cutie in this movie. Uh, oh which my God, I, he is. is I think <laughs> he's really... His afro. Yes. Well, and I, I always talk uh, on, on the podcast, I always talk about how, um, how harsh of a critic I am towards child actors because child actors can be very annoying very quickly and jaden smith was never that in this movie in fact like we'll talk more about his character but i i just thought every time he was on screen he was just amazing which was really impressive uh, because of how young he is now moving on to the cons things we didn't like about the movie i talked about it tugging on the heartstrings i mean the fact is this movie is supposed to be sad but it's still just very taxing to watch a movie with this much hardship in it, uh, which is going to be probably the reason why it's going to be a while before I see this movie again. It's definitely intended, so it's kind of not a con. I'm, I'm kind of having it both ways here, but it really brought me down for a lot of this movie. I was genuinely sad, uh, which is not my favorite emotion. So uh, that it's just very taxing, I think, to watch a movie that's this, this clearly sad. Um, but also... I don't know if this is really a viable way out of poverty. Like, it's an interesting sto one-off story, uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, what does this mean for poverty on a larger scale? Like, uh, we can't all become brokers, uh, especially when they're only taking one out of the 20-person internship group. So I felt like, even though I really enjoyed the story, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot I could draw from it besides, like, being poor is hard, and when I'm glad this one guy made it. What about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree completely with what you just said. Um, I, I was going to say that this movie is really sad, but ultimately it is like it builds itself back up to be this like message of hope, you know, like the ending is just so like gratifying, you know, where everything just kind of comes back together. Everything comes together, you know, just like Kronk said. So it's going <laughs> to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say that. I don't want to give it a bad, I don't want to put it in the cons that like it was heartbreaking, even though it is because it just, it ultimately isn't. It's like more motivational and more like uplifting simply by bring, like by digging that deep trench. But I was the same way. Like I was kind of dreading watching this. I was going to watch it on, on Friday night, but I wasn't, I was like, I don't feel like very happy right now. And if I watch this movie, I'm going to feel even worse. So I'm just going to wait until I feel a little bit better. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I still, I was prepared for how low the depths, I guess, of it were. So I wasn't like going to be so emotionally raw, but it's still like, it still gets to you. And it's, it's, it, it is aided so much by it being a true story to realize that someone really goes through this and, and not just this one person in the story, but anyone who's in his position goes through something similar all the time. And it's just, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. I was not prepared and, for the cave scene. Um, really? Uh, it's, it is so sad. It's so, uh, yeah, it really yeah. gets you. Especially when people, the person like banging on the door. Oh man, that's just so. I was, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like that is the type of thing. It, it's, I, I, I could um, liken it to some of Tarantino's movies where he has like a scene that's just so brutally uh, graphic that there's sometimes I just don't want to see that. Like I just can't yeah. sit down for that right now. Uh, so <laughs> this movie kind of gets into that realm of just being so taxing. So if you have any empathy at all, this movie is so hard to watch at certain times that um, I, I would hesitate to return to it. Again, it's the point. It, it, it does it so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a happy ending too, you know. That's the thing. It's like, it 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 would be one thing if this movie was depressing all the way through and just got worse and worse and worse. But this one, like it, there's moments of like levity. There's moments of like things build back up and you think, oh, maybe he's gonna be okay, and then they drag you back down again. But it's it's, you know, it, it it's kind of gradual and natural, and I think that's that's make, it's really powerful. Yeah, and I also wanted to agree with you about the individual nature of this story. I think this movie works really well as an individual story about a, sing a single extraordinary person but as an overall lesson i feel like there's something kind of missing from okay it. and we'll and obviously we will uh flesh out these opinions in our overall section which we're, we'll get to right now so joey go ahead wow. and take it away uh, i think this movie is so great uh, it's so touching and sweet and so heart uh, heartbreaking too um 
it, I think only a true story can have an impact the way that this one does. It's amazing watching Chris lose everything in his life, and yet he just never gives up. He gets angry, he gets frustrated, he gets discouraged, but he never loses sight of what's important to him. Uh, Will Smith, I feel like, just nails it in this movie. In other movies, he kind of just like acts like Will Smith. You know, I'm thinking like um, uh, Bad Boys or like, uh, um, uh, what's it, Men in Black or like any other movie where he's like even bright i would say like where he's like i'm the you know i'm the witty guy who says like crazy things um but in this one he's just he's not only just charismatic but he's kind of a quiet person that's driven from his core and the whole movie reinforces it but will smith like brings this to life and it's and it is will smith's tears that are flowing at the end that are also flowing down my face because i was also crying at that scene just watching his like eyes like well up and you can tell he's trying not to cry and he just can't help it oh it's so, the it happiness scene so the part good. where he actually gets the job yes so powerful so oh my gosh yeah he's, he's like you can tell he cares so much and he's just like i don't want to like like the whole movie he's uh he's like pretending that he's okay right like i i there's one of the things that's so interesting about this is that he um like Chris Garner pretends that he's uh he's okay and that he's not poor, right? He like he lies to his boss and everything about why he's carrying around a suitcase. You know, he's he's always giving some sort of excuse and everything. And I think there's a couple of different reasons for that, but it's interesting that in that moment, like he's trying so hard to keep that facade of being like, ah oh, yeah, you know, I'm a go-getter, I can do this, and he just can't because he just he's been working so hard for this and he finally achieves it. Uh, yeah, that I mean that's the moment that you let let your emotions out. That's the moment you you let your empathy. Oh really yeah, show, it's way so. more powerful to see him just let go in that moment because he's been through so many situations where he didn't let go. Where even though it was yeah. overwhelming obstacles, he's still able to retain this you know this attitude towards it and be resilient. And finally, he's able to say, "I like I did it. Finally, I can let go and just." let my emotions out it really is powerful it's a it's a really powerful movie moment i mean it's it's why we go to the movies i yeah. say you know this is this is the kind of the emotional toll that it takes on this on your on your whole life i guess you know in a way it's it's, it's just evident through this movie uh, the movie also does a lot with setting too it focuses kind of on the grungy dirty aspects of the city uh constantly contrasting that with the beauty and happiness of the upper middle class um, you see a lot of faces, and that tells you about where you are and what kind of people you're around. Um, and when Chris joins the crowd of smiling businessmen on the street, you can see that he finally fits in right away, despite coming from somewhere very different. Yeah, that, the whole like walking down the sideline kind of view where you can just see a, a whole bunch of people. They seem like they're so clogged yeah. and close together, but the way they're moving, you can tell they're just walking down a street. I don't know... I mean, obviously, I've seen that in other films, but I think this movie is really intentional with the way they use that angle. Oh, yeah. I, I think that like something that they do kind of early on is showing the faces of the people on the street, like the, that old man who's playing the the violin, the electric violin mm -hmm. or whatever that is. Um, like they, they show all of these. They're really focusing on like the extras faces more so than anything else. And I mean, it's not distracting at all. It really like aids you in telling you like, oh, this is a very human story. Yeah, um, it, and I think yeah, it focusing on well. their faces definitely preserves their humanity. It, it's not extras within a city; it's people in a city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, overcoming strife is a is a really big theme in this movie, and Chris Gardner certainly had more than his fair share. But what stands out to me about him is his belief that all of this was always temporary. Um, he like he tells his wife that he'll always figure he'll figure it out. He tells his kid that uh, things will be better soon. He never tells his colleagues or his bosses about the struggles. I mean, he never makes excuses. And to me, that's a really powerful lesson to take away, even if it's ultimately wrong. To lift yourself up by your bootstraps is an impossible thing to do. You cannot lift yourself up by your bootstraps. You always need help. You're, you can't do something like that based on your own strength. You're actually working against yourself when you try to, you know, actually literally pull yourself up by your boots. Yet we see Chris achieve the impossible. Just like with the Rubik's Cube, Chris never let anyone tell him what he couldn't do. And that is just amazing, I think. Um, and I think the re for, the, for the rest of us, something needs to be said for reaching out and asking for help. You can't do anything on your own, but you, you don't always have to. To look at this movie and say, yeah, just do that. Just, just you know, work as hard as Chris Gardner and you will succeed. I think it's getting the wrong idea. Yes, work hard. Yes, sacrifice for your dreams. But don't think others won't reach out to help you. I think Chris's pride actually gets in his own way in this movie. And ultimately, of course, it all pays off and all of his actions are justified. But I don't think that really makes him perfect. 
It's well, yeah, and um, that's looking at this from like the larger picture as to like how we should try to fix poverty in the United States, which there's so much injustice in poverty. Like this movie really points out, it's like it walks a the line between like being melodramatic and being actually compelling, I think really well, uh, because yeah. there are parts in this movie that I think could have been way more cheesy when they're trying to show the plight of being poor. Like for instance, the, the line outside of what was that place called? Glide. Uh, when they're all, when they're all waiting yes. to get in and then the middle-class white family kind of just swings by and they're all singing like in a convertible car and they're smiling and laughing, totally oblivious to the suffering next to them. I liked how brief that was. It was kind of just a reminder, hey, look, this is horrible, and right next to them is something nice. Because if they had really pushed on that a lot more, I feel like it could have gotten cheesy quickly, uh, you know, or even just uh, preachy. Yeah, but I think I think this movie's one of the movie's strengths is that it's it's really kind of self, it's really subconscious about the way it's talking about being poor, and it shows you these images, and it makes it. It allows your brain to make connections without you even really realizing what's going on. You know, you you understand that what's happening to Chris here is is very unfair in a way that's bigger than just like oh his own personal circumstance. And I think that's um, I think that's something that you get no matter how you watch this movie, even if you're not watching as closely as we usually do. And I don't, but I don't think necessarily that you are explicitly aware of it either. Well, as far as just uh, picking yourself up by your bootstraps, I think there are some people who could take some motivation and be like, I can I can do more for myself, but I agree. We're getting into, this movie enters kind of into a uh, dangerous territory of this rugged individualism where not only can you do it if you work harder, but also you should do it by yourself, uh, which obviously yeah. is playing on expert mode when you don't necessarily have to. <laughs> Well, that's the thing that's like, I, 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 the thing I think about the most about this movie is the bone density scanners, because I feel like that's the most relatable thing for me. Every time I've worked in like a retail job, I've had to sell things that I don't believe in, you know, things that like I know enough about to know that they're bullshit. So what was the, uh, like the tagline him, for the bone density scanners? It was like a uh, slightly d- twice as expensive and totally yeah, unnecessary. It's like a slightly denser image than an x-ray for twice the price. Like yeah yeah it was just like uh, they were not good products but yet he was selling them you know he he was basically in an mlm like he was like he's in a pyramid scheme essentially because he like bought into this thing and he like made it out of there somehow you know it, it it did a lot of harm to him and his family but he was able to push through it which is like i think is so amazing like, because somebody else someone of weaker will probably would have given up on these things long ago but he saw them as like oh this is my you know this is groceries this is rent like i i have to sell these and he did he he like went out there and and did something that honestly i feel like is almost impossible well i mean even just bringing up mlms uh those are famous for bankrupting people and making them poor so oh yeah i guess it makes sense that they would include that in here um i mean that that's one of the things that i think is interesting uh about this film is kind of how did we get here you know, he starts off in dire straits. Obviously, there was some brighter time in the past when they first bought all these machines and they were more hopeful about stuff. But it does make me question how we got how it got this bad. What do you mean? Because he seems it seems like he's been hardworking and bright for a while. Well, I think that's like the the circumstances he's he's in. You know, he didn't have an opportunity to go to college, or I mean, he barely finished high school, right? That's what they said, and he's like. Uh, oh no, he he was top of his class in high school. That's right. Of twelve people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to. He was in the military briefly and things like. I don't know. It's a. I think there was circumstances we're not seeing that you know led him to start off in this position. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess one of those things is making poor financial choices that are only poor in retrospect, sure. right? Because what he did with purchasing all these machines was initially making an ambitious choice for his own future. He's like, I'm a good salesman. This is a product that I have deemed as good, profitable. And now I'm going to provide for my family by selling these machines. He had no way of knowing that these would be considered a luxury. Right. So, which sucks. Like this, this is just, I feel like we're kind of running into a theme on Apple chat right now with the movies we've been watching, but capitalism is a cold, heartless bitch when you make bad decisions financially it sure is 
He was stuck. He put himself in a corner, uh, something that was supposed to enrich his life to push him forward towards success, ended up holding him back so drastically, and there's no escape from it. Besides the pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but that's, only, you know, if you're not this brilliant guy, yeah, that uh, you're not Chris Gardner, that's going to be really hard. Yeah, so I, exactly. So I, guess, so I guess, I mean, that kind of, I mean, there's obviously probably more to it than that, but just being in that situation where everything's going fine, you're making choices that are supposed to provide for your family, and just the system screws you. And we're supposed to have, we're supposed to be like, ah, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that's the, the kind of dangerous message to take away from this, is that like, oh, you know, he just worked hard and, and he got there. But I also feel like there are moments in this movie where he kind of, he almost got lucky. You know, he was able to find shelter. He got immensely lucky. He was able to like take care of his kid and everything. He was able to sell those machines when he needed to. Like there, there was a lot of things riding against him, but in his determination and will really pushed him to achieve those things. I mean, but ultimately he did get lucky in the, like, the most classic, like, you know, definition of the term opportunity plus preparation. He was prepared and he seized on those opportunities, but ultimately that's still just luck. If he couldn't lie his way into going to that 49ers game, there's no way he wins in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, I mean, he was smart enough to realize what, like how to get into that situation and everything. And that's a testament to his brilliance. But it's also like, like, I don't know. Is anyone else going to think of that? Is anyone else going to be able to be able to do something like that? What if his call sheet didn't have that guy at the top of the list? What if that guy wasn't a 49ers fan? What if that guy wasn't going to Monday What if he had made it to the appointment on time? Yeah. You know? And then, which of course would have resulted in, there's no way that you're getting my account. Exactly. You know, there's a very certain outcome. So, um, yeah, it's obviously a, a lot of luck involved there, which... Again, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like a lot of people's success is luck. So maybe that's like a realistic outlook of it, but obviously difficult to repeat. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Gardner's not exactly writing the like guide to getting out of poverty here, uh, even though that's exactly what he's doing in this film. <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought it was interesting that, I guess something I was expecting out of this movie that I didn't feel like I got necessarily, which isn't a con, but this movie... I don't think really is making a commentary on the black experience in America. It's the poor experience. It doesn't, they, they don't differentiate, especially th this came to a point when we meet or we realize how nice the other brokers are. They give him a fair shot. Oh yeah. They, well, except for like the, he seems to think that the, uh, like the, the instructor or whoever he is, like kind of has it out for him. He's always making a run chores for him. I, yeah, I guess it, I perceive that more as a, like, they know that he'll do it. Like, they know he's a go-getter. He's willing to do anything. So they're pushing him to his limits. I was they're thinking like, that he was just taking advantage of him. Which, you know, it, it, he definitely did with, like, the car keys thing. I rewatched that scene where he's like, hey, do you have a minute? And he's like, no, I actually just got a, like, job thing. He's like, okay, move my car. It's like, dude. Why didn't he take the car? Um. Well, he did. He moved it and then, like, ran. I wasn't sure if he took the car to the apart the the appointment. He looked or... like he was going to move it to across the street, right? Yes. Uh, but I thought he should, you know, drive it to the appointment. And then he drove it because he got stuck in traffic on the way there, right? So I feel like he did at least get closer. I don't know. I, I was confused by the, the way that was supposed to work, but me too. Um, but it was at the end of the day, yeah. Like I was taking advantage of him at least in that situation. Oh yeah. Uh, but again, it, I didn't feel like it was because he was black. It was just because. I, I yeah. It was more of a class difference than it is a race difference in this movie. And they yes. they show like I mean they show successful black guys and they show you know, poor white guys yes. too. So it's I, I yeah I think you're right. I don't think they're they're making a commentary on that at all. In fact, I think that they made a point not to make that part of the commentary. I think that they wanted this to be accessible to everyone as a as a concept, like how tough it is being poor. Yeah. Because even that uh, that clip that we played at the top of the episode where he's looking at all the other happy people, the first guy that they show is a successful black man. Like he's wearing a suit and then they show like a white guy and just, you know, more extras who are just successful upper middle class people. Right. Uh, so, uh, but I, I thought that was interesting. It is, I think it was definitely intentional. Uh, another thing that this movie brings up is childcare and how difficult it can be to get out of poverty when you're also taking care of somebody who can't earn their own uh, <laughs> yeah. income. Yeah. In fact, they're a drain on your resources because you have to pay for their 
childcare. You have to pay for them to be taken care of while you're trying to make money. I know. His day was constantly shortened by having to go pick up his son from daycare. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he has he has to do that. And then, of course, when he's like arrested, he has to call his wife, who he's just gotten into a huge argument with, and like basically broke up with. I mean, but but the thing that the thing that makes the movie so powerful too is how he was like so determined to be a better father than his own father was. Right? So like, I didn't meet my oh, father yeah. until I was you know in my late twenties. Um, I didn't want that for my son. And so like being separated from him, even for a couple hours was like, was, was hard for him. And, and not knowing if he was going to, if he was ever going to see him again, uh, was just, uh, uh, was just, I mean, heartbreaking. And of course, when he finally, when he finally gets a job, the first thing he does is he goes back to the daycare and gives his son a hug. Um, and, and then it's just a reminder of like, this is why I'm doing this. You know, all of this is for, is for him. And because I want to be a a good father and that's, Ah, you can't help but smile <laughs> yeah well and and also it just makes the struggle that much more uh difficult because when you see will smith get evicted you're like oh whatever like he's this low life not paying his rent this man <laughs> this man should be doing his thing you know but what about young young chris what about chris jr who, yeah it's all none of this is under his control but he still has to go live on the streets when they get evicted you know it just seems so heartless that we have, that this is something that can happen. Oh, yeah. And, and, I mean, there are places where he can go, but as being like a father-son unit, it really reduces their options because a lot of these places don't accept men. Yeah, exactly. Which was such a, it just, such a difficult situation. Like, I, I imagine this, uh, this movie would not be nearly as compelling if it was Chris Gardner, single, poor, homeless man, becomes not single and poor, or not, not poor anymore. Uh, because he lives on the streets, works really hard, and, and makes it go. I mean, it'd still be obviously compelling, but the fact that he has to also care for this child who's just so vulnerable and basically a victim of circumstance um, makes it that much more difficult. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it's, it's it's amazing. It's just a, an incredible... I mean, the whole thing is just an incredible feat, so... Well, it's... I just feel like as a bystander, you know, to see this kind of struggle happening and we're okay with it it's like this is how things are you know if you're you're too poor to take care of your son well then i guess it's living in the 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 bathroom at the bart station for you that's what your kid deserves is just so it's it's ridiculous like it's it's crazy that that still happens yeah it is it's super sad i just (laughs) (sighs) Um, it is sad it's the whole thing is sad speaking of the bart station uh, this movie also brings to a point how important public transit is for poor people. And I mean, for plenty of people, not just poor people, but also definitely poor people. That that sequence where he talks about uh, all the transportation he has to take in one day, like he has to wake up super early so he can get to work on time and do all this work that he doesn't have enough time to do. And then he has to take the train across town to here and then take another train and then the bus. It's exhausting when, uh, you know, somebody else in a better situation could just hop in their car. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I, I think public transit is so important. And uh, it's, so, it's so cool to see when cities improve their public transit, make it cheaper and more accessible for everyone. Um, but obviously, you know, don't, don't use my taxes. I, don't want, I got a car. I don't know. What do I need to pay my taxes for public transit for? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chicken and the egg problem because like, the less people that use it, the less resources go to it. And then the less you know, resources go to it, the worse it, it starts to fail you know but the more people that that use it the you know the the better it can do the more stops they can take the more buses they can afford you know you know upgraded the buses to better situations you could have wi-fi in your buses or whatever so there's a lot of i don't know it's um it's a, an important aspect of any city like i guess is what i'm trying to say especially for the poor people though like it's something that um uh... I don't know. Improve, improve public transit. That's my that's my policy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, you ever think about like how impossible your life would be if you couldn't drive? Yeah, especially in South Carolina, it's almost impossible. Everything is Sometimes so spread I see out. People... You know, like it's not even just like that. You work far away. It's like the grocery store is far away. Like the yeah. you know the the Target is far away. Like any anything you're trying to do, uh, the post office is far away. Anything you're trying to accomplish requires you to drive there and the whole world is built or a whole country at least is built around roads and about around cars and if you don't have if you don't have that a car is expensive if you don't have one of those then you're kind of 
you know, really out of luck. There's, there's so much more sacrifice you have to make, so much time you're wasting simply waiting for you to get to where you need to be. Yeah, I, I mean, since I've been back in South Carolina, I've definitely had to use my car a lot more than I did in Oklahoma City. And sometimes I'll see people, I'll be like, why are you walking on the edge of the road? That's so dangerous. You're going to get yourself killed. But then it's like, what's your other option? If you don't yeah. have a car, you're just screwed. So public transit, very important. Uh, and I think this movie makes makes that easy to understand. Okay, Joey, shall we move on to our cool Easter eggs? Yes, I have a cool Easter egg. Uh, it's a very famous one. At the very end of the movie, uh, uh, Will Smith and Jane Smith are walking across the the like on top of a hill in San Francisco, and some guy walks by in a blue suit, and that's the real Chris Gardner. Oh my god! Who shows up in the movie? He is a producer on the uh, in the movie too and he did write the the pursuit of happiness uh, the book um, which the movie is based on and um a little just a little little bit about chris gardner a lot of this movie is pretty accurate there's some things that are kind of that are left out for example that um that that guy in the red sports car who he talks to about being a stockbroker yes he ends up be, like playing a bigger part in his life um like help giving him connections and stuff and he ended up working for a couple different places um like before he ended up at the that internship um and but he really was uh homeless and he really was um taking care of a toddler while he was homeless um by himself his his wife wasn't available anymore um they, what was it okay gardner worked to become a top trainee at dean witter reynolds uh, he arrived at the office early and stayed late each day persistently making calls to prospective clients uh with his goal being 200 calls per day um, and his persistence paid off, obviously. Um, also, the that uh, that um, uh, homeless shelter that he goes to, or, or the women's shelter. Yes. Um, there was really was a real homeless shelter uh, for women called Glide uh, that actually took pity on Chris, even though he was a man, and let him and Jaden have a room there. Um, so they they didn't have to uh, stay uh, somewhere else always. Although they did really sleep in a locked bathroom in a BART station once. Wow. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I've been to BART and I was trying to remember if they had bathrooms because I remember having to pee real bad at a BART station. I had to wait till I got to my <laughs> to my grandma's house. <laughs> but yeah, he was staying in um, uh, flop houses, motels, parks, airports, and on pl- uh, public transport, uh, which you kind of see a little bit of each in, in this movie. So largely, uh, most of the stuff is is not um, largely not exaggerated for this movie. A lot, some stuff is actually taken out. Wow. Yeah. And again, that just makes it that much more compelling. You know, there because really there are times where you're like, okay, this is gratuitous, like <laughs> poorness. Like you're you're like, oh, you, not only is he like about to be evicted, and he's being forced to do labor for his landlord to get an extra week to stay there, but also he's being arrested for parking tickets in the middle. That of That was his. a real thing that happened. He really did get arrested right before the job, um, and showed up in his street clothes um, for the interview. Right, and it's like. If that wasn't real, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> and uh It's over the, it's it is a little over the top, but it's also like a reality, you know. No, exactly. It is real. And that's why you're like, Well, I, I mean, why wouldn't you show it then? It's what and the really movie, happened. like and the movie sets the whole the whole thing up. You know, they show the parking tickets and everything and he gets showing his car getting towed. I mean, so it makes sense that the police eventually show up on him, you know, and there's all these things about him trying to pay taxes or try to pay his rent. Um and so when he ends up losing all of that money um it, it it's like it feels like deserved almost oh yeah like, well, I, I don't say deserved but it, it's a setup yes no I, um, i'm not that's it's perfect yeah and it and it's like something that's like if you're poor those things are constantly weighing your mind and these things could happen to you at any time at the worst time um and and, and of course they do to chris okay you want to move on to our quotes yes let's do it okay i got the first one it was right then that I started thinking about Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence and the part about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember thinking, how did he know to put the pursuit part in there? That maybe happiness is something that we can only pursue and maybe we can actually never have it, no matter what. How did he know that? Okay, so um, have you ever heard of something called the hedonic treadmill? I have not. 
I may, we may have talked about it before, but essentially the hedonic treadmill is a theory uh, for um, happiness in psychology that says that you can't change your overall happiness um, levels. You, uh, if something good happens to you, you will be happier for a little while, but you'll eventually reset back to your original happiness. If something bad happens to you, you'll be sad for a little while, but eventually you'll go back to where your happiness level was at uh, when you first started. There are some theories that say that maybe you can actually change it permanently if something really major happens to you, but the overall idea is that no matter what, you're, you have a set happiness mark and your happiness kind of revolves around it. They did this whole experiment with, um, or a study with uh, parap paraplegics and uh, lottery winners and because they figured that those two people have significant things happen to them that would change their lives forever and make them happier or sadder. And they found out that that's not true. And uh, both of the people that they interviewed, um, after one month, uh, after after winning the lottery or, or losing the, the bottom half of their body, they uh, they were you know very much happier or much more depressed. But after a year or a year and a half, they were expected to receive, like go right back to their original happiness levels, uh, even though like these life-changing things happened to them. Okay. It's interesting. So it makes me, and this movie reminds me of this thing that I, I kind of talked to, I kind of say to myself, which is that happiness is not a destination. It's a direction. You can't ever achieve, like, you can, I don't say you can't ever achieve happiness. You can never arrive at happiness. You can only constantly pursue it. And it's the pursuit of that that is happiness. It's the journey. It's a vector, not a point. I like thinking about it that way because I, I don't like the idea of like becoming content in where I am. I always want to try to be improving and trying to be better and try to make my life easier or whatever. Um, and like just sitting there waiting for things to get better doesn't help. So I always want to be moving towards something. And I always feel happier when I'm trying to achieve something, when I have a, a goal in mind and I'm, uh, I'm doing everything I can to get to it. That, that's, the, that's like the goal for me is to constantly be pursuing something. I think that's uh, a better answer to the question, are you happy? Right. I mean, maybe I'm happy right now. Maybe I just had a nice meal. I'm feeling cheery. But really, overall, I think it's a better answer to be like, I'm headed that way, man. I'm working headed on it. Headed that way. I'm working exactly. on it. Exactly. And I don't know. I think that like when you reach that, you know, that ideal direction, that ideal velocity, you eventually, uh, you, you, you find that that journey to that place is really where you want to be more so than even where you, where you arrive to bring it back to this quote though. Um, I think it's just a, a really interesting aspect to focus on that one word pursuit and, and how he's, he's reframing this that like, Oh, maybe happiness isn't something that's even possible. And maybe I, maybe we can only ever hope to go after it, hope to achieve it or, you know, hope to achieve it, never to actually achieve it. And that, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree perfectly with that, but I think that's kind of a, an interesting, uh, you know, take to take, to put on this, especially in his situation where it seems like he could, he may never be happy. You know, he can, he could probably fail many, many times um, and never achieve what he wants to achieve. Well, I think Thomas Jefferson literally maybe was looking to just uh, cover his bases here. Cause if it was, you're entitled to life, liberty, and happiness. There'd be a bunch of people like, hey, I didn't get the, I only got two out of three. <laughs> Where's my happiness? You know, I demand but it. But he didn't have to put like the pursuit of happiness in there at all. He didn't have to put any of that, you know, but the, this idea that there, this is like an inalienable right that you are allowed to pursue what makes you happy is, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And I feel like it's, it's something that uh, maybe we should think about more. Sure. Yeah. And also, uh, I will never misspell happiness again uh because i did several times while writing this <laughs> but when i was searching for this movie i i think i misspelled it and i didn't even know because it came up with the right result and then in, in the movie i was like once i realized it was in the movie i started i was like oh i bet that spell the y because this movie's gonna have something to say about why you should be happy or something <laughs> like it's like, I thought there was something about that too. Something like it puts the I, this puts the why in happiness, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like like uh, I don't know. I, I guess like how might be a better question. Well, because at some point I thought maybe this movie wasn't gonna have a happy ending. Like he was just going to be learn how to be happy with not having anything, you know? And he's like, 
that's the why, you know. My why is Jaden Smith. I'm happy because I have my the, my son. Yeah. I don't know. I, it was still interesting though having it at like the school where they don't know how to spell happiness. That's like I yeah. It's, I I agree that like after you watch this movie, it like it teaches you how to spell the word, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't stop me from accidentally misspelling it. So it is a weird word to begin with, you know, having a make the english language in general uh is weird with spelling i still misspell things all the time thank you autocorrect i guess um okay so i have the next quote listen i that's all the money that i have you cannot go into my bank no it was the 25th of september i remember that day because that's the day that i found out there was only 21 dollars and 33 cents left in my bank account. I was broke. This was right after the IRS levies his bank account and basically cleans him out. It was just so unexpected and so out of the ordinary, but also, or not out of the ordinary, but so um, detrimental, but also just such a mundane, normal thing that happens all the time. <laughs> and I mean, from the perspective of a fellow citizen, it's like, well, yeah, you got to pay your taxes, man. Um, but at what cost? We just de- they just decide all of a sudden to take all of his money right when he was getting himself stabilized, right when he was putting himself in the position to start making more money, to get himself to the point where maybe paying those taxes wouldn't have been such a big deal. But from, with like the government blind to this, just says, oh, you didn't pay us? Pay us right now, no matter what. And maybe this totally screws you over and prevents you from pursuing happiness. But we don't care. We're we're just going to take yeah. it right out of your bank account, which I think is sad. It's a reality. I mean, you don't see like all of the bureaucracy or like all like how like how late was he on these taxes? You know, like what, like how much was he, uh, how much was he putting off or whatever? Um, all you see is like the aftermath of it, and of course that's when you're. You know, when you're focusing on trying not to die, you know, when you're trying to feed yourself and your kid, like you're not thinking about what taxes you need to pay. You know, that's that's the last thing on your mind. Um, and until, of course, like it totally screws you. So, yeah, you're like, it's just like maybe this was a long time coming. You know, this is a bullet fired around, halfway across the world and only finally got to him. But in the end, it's 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 always going to be devastating just because he's 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 not prepared for something like that well i think i think linda actually brings this up earlier in the film when they're in the kitchen and she's talking about how they owe money and then he says he's gonna have to file an extension and she's like we already filed an extension uh so but i think it's just important to have this perspective because a lot of people at least i even feel and just normally i'm like you got to pay your fair share you know you're living here you're earning money here you got to pay your taxes and I think the point, at least I hope, that we're all on the same team, that we want like everyone to be prosperous. I personally don't want any Americans to be having a bad time on purpose. So what what is the result that we actually want from this person? We want them to pay their taxes, right? But by stealing all their money all of a sudden, not stealing, by collecting all of their money all of a sudden, we're actually preventing them from paying taxes in the future probably. So we're not, who are we helping here? I don't. I mean, that's the thing. Is like it's it's impossible to build a system that's going to have something like this intact, you know, unless without because you know that if they tried to contact him or send him a mail, something in the mail, or call him on the phone, or or arrive at his house, he's just going to try and dodge him because he doesn't. Yes. Like he can't. He can't pay for it. On like honestly, and that's um, but and that's just like the the, the reality of it. And there's so many people out there that that have to deal with this every day. Like Andrew Yang, the the. Uh, um, $1,000 a month um, presidential candidate presidential candidate yeah he said something like uh, like it was a, most American families that are living paycheck to paycheck cannot afford a, a surprise $500 bill it's like the, that's terrifying you know like if something like that happened and you just didn't have the resources to, to cover it and like you would, it would just send you down a hill like that you couldn't recover from that's uh, you know that's that's not fair that's not that's um, that's not human. Yeah, and I mean, maybe there's not an easy way to do it, but I would love to see some ways that we can inject empathy more into the way that we do government. Because this one just... I know everyone likes to hate the IRS. Like, I, I think they definitely do a necessary evil of, like, collecting taxes. Nobody likes taxes. Uh, but 
And again, I'm not, obviously, I don't know tax fucking legislation. I'm not trying to be a genius here. But it this is a good example of some of the, the cruelness of the system that we have in our society. It's that you can't pay. Well, sorry. We're just going to take it anyways. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's depressing. Um, I got one more quote, and hopefully this one will brighten our spirits a little bit. This part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. So yeah, this scene, so powerful. Yes, it is. And, and this is the part uh, where I cried. I uh, my my tear ducts welled up, and a single manly, masculine tear rolled there, down my there cheek. There you go, Jenny. There, I mine was ugly. I was, uh, you know, I had tissues on my face, and uh, my eyes were red, and everything. I um, yeah, and and um, I'm glad we're talking about this too because it's important to let like everyone should know men can cry too. It's totally fine to cry. And we do have the ability to cry. Which it's to- I mean, obviously that's, it sounds obvious, but plenty of people don't cry. I mean, even I've caught myself where I'm like, sometimes I just need to let myself cry, you know, and it'll feel better. And that was the, I like made the conscious choice to like, let myself feel that emotion in this movie. Cause if, if I didn't want to, if I didn't want to, I wouldn't have cried. You know, if I wanted to, I could have held it back. Oh yeah. yeah but that's yeah, not the definitely. point. Uh, I, I'm such a, you know, I'm such a guy, you know, I can, I can control when I cry or not. Like, <laughs> Most of the time I can, and there's plenty of times where I feel like I hold it back and I shouldn't, and I I, I feel like I'm not the only one. I don't know. I maybe I was. I I know what you're talking about of a, like allowing yourself to feel that emotion. I don't know. This one was a little bit more natural. I guess I was just like, like as soon as I saw his his eyes welling up, and I was like, I want to cry with you, Chris Gardner. I want to cry with you, Will Smith. I don't know. It was a, it was I didn't have to make a conscious choice as as much as I usually do where I'm usually kind of fighting it so. Well, it was easy to make that choice this time and uh it's just for me the most powerful moment in this movie. Like it's such an iconic view, like the the camera angle of him like joining the crowd and just being so oh, yeah. happy. Just amazing it's acting amazing. as well to be able to portray it that. It's the it's such a great culmination of this whole movie and it um it's just so satisfying. Yes. Okay, um, Joey, that's the end of our quote section, and I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. Okay, I want we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but I want to talk about bootstraps. So uh, there's this famous phrase, um, it's, it's something like uh, "pull yourself up by your bootstraps," uh, which is which used to mean doing something impossible or uh, like patently absurd uh there was actually this they they attribute this quote or this idea at least from a really old story where this guy was stuck in a swamp and so he pulled himself up by his ponytail um out of the swamp <laughs> uh which is uh, like i don't know don't know where that comes Wait, from but did anyway he use a pulley or something like did he like no no he was he just grabbed it with his hands and like grabbed his grabbed his hair uh-huh. and pulled himself up and then he floated out of the swamp anyway bootstrapping has become a a uh, like has changed his meaning. Now it means a self, someone who's self-made or someone who does it on their own. Uh, and I still think that these like it still holds some of its absurd origin, um, and that it's a it's something that a lot of people think anyone can do when really the circumstances are really against you, and you really need as much help as you can get. The uh, there's a couple different qu- uh, uh, articles I read. Excuse me. A couple different articles I read about uh, this idea of bootstrap pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and why it's nonsense. Um, and I think we've kind of covered why, like uh, at least in this movie, how poverty has um, you know hurts people in more than just like a oh you're poor so you don't have that much opportunity. It it can literally drag you down uh, like someone who's drowning. It, it's it's a uh, terrifying and almost like perpetual cycle and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is kind of like the you know, a cruel irony to that because 
like uh, something that's perpetual obviously perpetuates itself and, and just continues forever pulling yourself up with your bootstraps would be another example of creating energy from nothing um so it's it's just this uh, I don't know, kind of cruel thing that people say uh, when really they they don't understand the like the entire circumstance of, of situations. So, so what what's the alternative? Instead of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, what should you do? You should ask for help. You know, you, you, the the whole thing with pulling yourself yourself up with your bootstraps is that you're by yourself and you have no one else to 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 come to your aid or anything like that. You know, I mean. You don't see uh, Chris Gardner in this movie like asking for help from anyone, really. Uh, it, it's it's very rare that that happens. And the, like when he's asking his friend Wayne for fourteen dollars, he could have asked Wayne for a place to sleep. You know, like this. The, the, there's so many things, so many opportunities where he could have humbled himself a little bit to ask for you know a little bit of of human gratification. And he finds that in like the the homeless shelter and everything too, and he does what he has to do. But I think there's this myth uh, around like, oh, if you just work hard enough or you're determined enough, you will eventually be able to rise above whatever circumstance you're in. And that's not always going to be true. No, it's a good point. And it's a dangerous conclusion you might draw from this film that I just need to be Chris Gardner when you don't have to be necessarily. No. I don't know. In some situations, you're not going to be as lucky as he is either. And you're not, you're not going to be as fortunate um, or a smart and, uh, dude. He's like brilliant no, in this movie. He is. That's like he definitely. That's is. a good place to get started. <laughs> yeah, and you know, not everyone's going to have that, and that's that's just uh, that's just the reality of it. So uh, I think that there's some people out there that probably struggle even more than what was shown in this movie, and there are people out there that you know think that it's their fault, and you know even if even if it is, there's no harm in asking for help. You're right. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay for men to cry and to ask for help. That's right. All right. Um, my uh, my deeper topic is less, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people already know this, but sometimes it can be for you know someone who's never been poor, it can be startling to realize the bleak reality that being poor costs more than being rich. Oh, Seems yeah. like it shouldn't. Seems like that's kind of backwards, right? But it's... It's uh, it's the truth. No, like I saw this really interesting quote because I was reading. There's plenty of articles on this. It's not a new concept, but uh, I was I saw this quote. It's like no amount is small if you can't afford it. Okay, and here's like a bunch of different ways that we screw people for being poor. That in, if you're trying to be poor in the United States, you're gonna run into a lot of these things. Like for instance, um, there's I saw this anecdote about someone who had been paying their power bill for years just on time and then they they missed the bill one time because they didn't have enough money and when they paid the bill they were told they also needed to pay a 250 dollars new customer deposit as well because they lost their status as a customer because they missed a bill and it's like okay if i didn't have the 70 dollars to pay the bill in the first place what makes you think i've got 250 dollars lying around you know the like the prospect the the perception a lot of these places are a lot of people who are collecting your money is that you're not paying because you don't want to but now we're going to punish you because you decided that you, like now you're going to pay it that you owe us even more money another one that just blows my mind is the way bank accounts work that you can have a minimum balance penalty where you don't have enough money, so you now owe us money. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Or like a minimum monthly deposit. So like you you lose your job and suddenly the same amount of money isn't going into your bank account. And they're like, ooh, looks like you lost your job. That means you're going to have to pay us more money now. It's like, what? Yeah. I Yeah. And the one you have listed here too is like overdraft fees. It's like, yeah, overdraft fees make almost no sense at all. It's like, Oh, I you you don't have any money in your in your bank account, and so now you have to pay more than what you started off with. It's like a, I don't know it's 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 I understand kind of where that comes from because you you don't want to have like too little in the bank account. You don't want the the bank having to use their own money, um, or the bank doesn't want that. But still, it's it's like in what situation I can imagine so many situations. Uh, where like this would screw someone over way more than it would like motivate them to do something. Right. And obviously I know running a bank isn't free, but some of these financial institutions, I feel like have the, the, 
you know, amount of customers that are keeping money in their bank account where maybe they don't have to screw the ones who can't. Well, there's the, okay, credit cards is a perfect example, right? Credit cards, like if you use your credit card right, you can end up making money by using your credit yep. cards. But that's not how that's not how the credit cards make money. Credit cards make money off of the people that can't do this, that have, for whatever reason, financial or you know some some other problem uh, that keeps them from paying their bills on time, and therefore occurring interest and late fees and all of that. That's where all of that money comes from. So like the the whole business is like um, supported on the less fortunate, uh, on the people that that can't. Uh, you know, afford or for, for whatever reason can't pay their bills. It's a, it's like this, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's like this whole thing of like, you, you never quite ask where the money comes from. You know, you never, you never say like, oh, where, like, how are we making our money again? Yep. Are we, are we tricking people? Are we like, you know, taking advantage of people that, that, that have no choice? You know, the, the, that that's never a question. That's never really a uh, a topic to be discussed. You know, it's just always kind of understated in the background. It's uh yeah. I used to work at the mall, and the store I worked at had its own credit card, and now really? yes, and that was the hardest thing for me to sell because basically the the clientele we were looking for were people who were basically addicted to shopping at our store. Like we had a particular style, so we would look for people who come in a lot, and we're like, hey, what if you got our credit card? Because then we'll give you a bullshit discount like a discount that does not really make a difference because the stuff is overpriced to begin with and then now you you can hopefully not pay it off so that we can make even more money off of you i'm like oh god like <laughs> i'm not like this just seems needlessly cruel like we're taking our most loyal customers and and bleeding them for even more money it's like yeah ah god don't think about that's it that's where the long. majority of the money comes from it comes from the whales you know it comes from the a couple a very specific type of person right and it's but you can't even tell yourself oh well, this is just good for the people who i mean you can tell yourself i guess this is good for the people who can afford to shop here but that's not the ones that we want we as the company <laughs> no. want we want the people who can't afford to be shopping here who want that pair of jeans but they just can't afford it right now let me just throw it on the credit card that then it's fine i'll charge it to the game i can pay it off later out but i'll look stylish now that's just puts a really gross taste in your mouth man yeah. Another one that uh, you can that, that gets in the way. Another example of this, how being poor is more expensive, is the payment plans that you qualify when making large purchases. Uh, like if you can't, if you don't have great credit, it really restricts who you can buy a car from. And then you go and buy a car from one of these places where they're like, no money down, no interest until so and so amount. But then once you start paying it off, you end up paying way more than the car is actually worth because the way that you're payment plan works is you're paying a small amount for way longer and that small amount ends up adding up to being way way more than you would have paid had you been able to afford the car outright so again just milking the people who can't afford to do to just make the purchase exactly and then like how do you build credit it's by you know paying off your credit cards on time if you can't do that then you just fall further down the ladder you know and so you're like the credit is such a a, uh, a scary thing because you can easily end up spiraling down so so fast, um, and it's just a it, it's a slippery slope. It's exactly what it is. Like you said with Andrew Yang, uh, bringing up that example of how many people can't afford a five hundred dollar uh, unexpected uh, expense. For yeah. instance, if you're moving to another apartment, security deposits. That's a nice little firewall to keep poor people out. Because if they can't afford your huge security deposit, even if they can afford the monthly rent, you're pricing them out. So you can't stay in a nice apartment. You end up staying at a cheaper place. Maybe you're week to week there where you can make these smaller payments. But again, in the end, you end up paying more because you're making these payments more frequently. Right. And then you end up in like you're in a worse neighborhood that possibly has more crime. Yep. There's a chance of you you getting hurt on the way um, or mugged on the way into your apartment or your apartment getting broken into there's, it's just, you know, it just gets worse the further down and it's just like, it's exponential, you know? Oh yeah. And these things all stack. These things could all apply to one person that we've brought up so far. <laughs> Another one is, uh, inconsistent pay from part-time jobs. Um, not every job, obviously like the difference between part-time and full-time is huge. And a lot of times people who are poorer have part-time jobs and that part-time job is not 
helping uh, as much as a full-time job. It's not helping them become uh, richer. And, and yeah, obviously that's obvious, but there are certain things that apply to part-time jobs that don't apply to full-time jobs. Like for instance, you don't get paid on days where work gets canceled, where it, you have an unexpected snow day or snow week. Suddenly you can't go to, jo- uh, you go to your job for a whole week and you're massively in the red at that point. Because if you're living paycheck to paycheck and suddenly a whole week of your paycheck just disappears, but you still have to pay for the rest of your stuff, it's really difficult to make that up. Yeah, well, what about like being a waitress? You know, like if you're a server, you're you. Uh, there are some days when you'll make twenty dollars an hour, and some days where you'll lose money because you have to pay to eat. Yeah, and it's oh yeah. Don't even get me started on tipping. Let me watch <laughs> Reservoir Dogs again. Uh, <laughs> um, the 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 last one that I think this one is so just awful to me is getting thrown in jail because you don't have enough money. This one makes the least sense because like, for instance, it happens in this movie. You can't pay your parking debtor's tickets. prison. Yes. You, you can't pay your uh, parking tickets because you don't have enough money. So they come to uh, collect on it. They, you don't have enough money. They throw you in jail. Guess what you can't do while you're in jail work and earn more money. So <laughs> it's the opportunity cost of being in jail is gigantic. So you just oh, yeah. con- continue this vicious cycle of not having enough money, going to jail because you don't have enough money, not being able to work because you're in jail, and going back to jail because you don't have enough money because you weren't working. I remember reading this story a long time ago. I can't remember all the details, but essentially this guy uh, got put in jail for like something minor, something like these parking tickets or something, and he couldn't afford the bail to, to get out. So, And then while he was in jail, his license expired. And he went driving to go to his new job and he got pulled over and his got arrested because he was driving without a license. Um, And then it just like he was stuck in jail forever after that. Um, And it was just because like this one thing happened, you know, this one tiny thing uh, where he was inconvenienced for a little bit of time ended up spiraling his life out of control to the point where he was like locked up for a really long time. And as and if you're truly heartless and you're just looking at the bottom line, you're like, well, if you can't get your life together long enough to, to pay parking tickets, maybe you belong in jail. Well, guess what? As a taxpayer, you shouldn't want that because it's super expensive to keep people in jail. Uh, Andrew Yang again talks about this uh, with the idea that maybe we should pay people to stay out of jail because that would actually be cheaper uh, from the government's that's, perspective. That's kind of hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so it's just a messed up system. And, and the, that's tr- the truly frustrating part of it for me is who benefits from this? Barely anyone. Most of us suffer from this, ter- this terrible system we have of making it more expensive to be poor uh, in America. So that's the reality of it. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Now, <laughs> is everyone nice and depressed? <laughs> that's fitting because it's time <laughs> for our ratings uh let's let's give an overall rating of what we thought of the pursuit of happiness i'm gonna go first joey yes i was gonna insist you go first okay i'm gonna give this movie one very real tear that i cried while watching this movie i don't often cry when i watch movies but this is one that got the tear jerked uh right out of my eye Uh, i don't always cry but when i do (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) it's pursuit of happiness that's right i hope you're happy jenny you made us cry Yes, you did. But I, I'm, I'm, I am happy that I cried. <laughs> I'm not I a pursued robot. happiness. Now, I, now I'm here. All right, I, I give this movie a a symbolic return of five dollars. Hey, I guess what there what did go. that mean to you? Well, that was like his life finally turned around. He can make some money back. He was always spending money to get where he would need to be, and now the the, the first dollar he makes back is like the like something he directly put in. That is nice. nice. I I really it was it was a relief that I didn't have to hate the stockbrokers. Like I when I when we first met them, I thought they were going to be. I mean, there were definitely times where they're oblivious to his struggle and which can come across as cruel. But he also does a good job of hiding how poor he is. Um, But I thought maybe that they would be racist or really classist. But it was nice the way they kind of accepted him for who he was, this hardworking guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there was a, they made him look kind of dumb too, because there's that one guy who gets into the elevator after finishing the test without realizing that he didn't fill out the the essay portion of the test. Oh, dude. Hashtag relatable college moments. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> when you finish the exam so quickly and you thought it was so easy, then it turns out like you only did you one part You missed something of it. really important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> that's a horrible feeling. Okay. Well, then that's the thing. Uh, that, that's our episode on uh, the pursuit of happiness. I'm glad I saw this. This is just another movie I think that's like really important to the culture, and I'm I have now seen it, so I have I can have my own opinion. Was this about the it. first time you'd seen it? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, besides, uh, I mean, last time I even talked about this movie, I think was when it was in theaters because I do remember it being pretty important when it came out, and people were talking about how great Will Smith was. Um, so it was back in that era of like Will Smith being like the best actor he was uh i, I remember also but he's still kind of in everything so he is uh it wasn't that long ago that we did a review of aladdin which he was in but also well yeah well there's a new movie coming out of uh, gemini man where he plays two people yes well and then that looks pretty good also um he was uh, like at the around this time i guess at least in my memory uh i robot was pretty important uh i am legend was pretty important so oh, yeah i mentioned was awesome he's a he's an epic uh, actor very will smith is very epic a list yeah uh, okay, so <laughs> thanks again, Jenny, for recommending this. I know we've, we've said her name a lot, but thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it's very cool. Um, you can, If you're listening to Apple Chat, you can call in as well. Uh, our phone number is 833-600-CHAT. Yes, that's 833-600-2428. You can call us anytime. Yes, don't be afraid if you have anxiety about a phone call. We're not actually picking up the phone. It is a voicemail. So you can just leave us a message and say whatever you want. You can have as many tries as you want. You can be like Will Smith in this movie and just like keep hitting the, uh, you know, the, the, the phone button to hang up and try again. So That's right. You, know, you, can, uh, you can try as many times as you want. Just take some inspiration from Will Smith, the way he was so tenacious with those phone yeah, calls. Yeah, call us 200 times a day. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you, won't pro- you probably won't make any money off of it, uh, but it's still worth the phone call, I think. Um, okay, so what is next on Apple Chat? I am... Uh, so Apple Chat is going through some changes right now. Uh, I have set up somewhat of a studio so far. It's a work in progress, but I've gotten it to the point where I can, in fact, have guests. If you've listened to the previous episode, I had our dear friend Coochboy on for just a casual conversation, uh, and I'm going to continue trying to get that to happen, more uh, real-life people. And next week, we're going to have Tony Stank join the podcast. Tony uh, Stank himself? That's right. It's uh, a friend of ours, and he's going to be on the podcast to just talk about uh, a few things, uh, but it'll be not focused on a movie. It'll be an off-script episode of Apple Chat, so look forward to that. Uh, but yeah, don't forget that we're on basically every podcasting platform there is, and if you listen to us on any of those, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Yes, and also leave us a review. That really helps us grow. You can reach us uh, on our phone number, of course, but also on Twitter at Affable Chat. Or if you want to write us an email, you can reach us at affablechat at gmail.com. And we also have a YouTube channel where we make YouTube videos about all sorts of things, not just movies. So that's going to do it for this episode of Affable Chat. Uh, we, I really enjoyed talking about the pursuit of happiness, Joey. Um, and I did too. I, 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 I'm going to be a little more resilient, I think. Uh, I think it's, yeah. it's helped me to to realize I have it pretty good, and maybe I should uh, continue to uh, be motivated to improve my life. You know, not feel sorry for myself. That's that's a good lesson to take away from this. I'm gonna cry in my bed all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's gonna do it for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.